Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport. I'm Tim McInerney. I'm Naomi O'Leary. We're friends. Okay, well to Naomi. Anwar Fad Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, One two, two, three. three. Okay. Hello and welcome to Half Pints, the bonus content of the Irish Passport podcast we make specially to thank our Patreon supporters. Today's episode is about a very special connection between people who live an ocean apart, stretching back more than 170 years. I'll let my guest introduce herself. Is it okay if I do it in my Navajo language? Yeah, of course. That would be great. Okay. Okay. Hello, my name is Cassandra Begay. I am born for the Black Streak Wood people on my mother's side, and my father is um, the Mexican people clan. And that's how I wanted to introduce myself as a a Diné woman, a Navajo woman. I am from Diné'a'a, which is the Navajo word for the Navajo Nation. And I am the communications director for the Navajo and Hopi families COVID-19 relief. The Navajo and Hopi nations are located in a territory just larger than the Irish Republic that stretches across parts of the US states of Arizona, Utah and New Mexico. As has sadly been the case for Native people so many times throughout history, Native Americans have been hit disproportionately by the current health crisis. They make up more than half of confirmed coronavirus cases in New Mexico, despite making up only about 10% of the population. Poor conditions within the Navajo Nation territory make it extremely difficult to combat the pandemic. How can you wash your hands frequently when only one-third of homes have running water? We're experiencing a huge crisis when it comes to the coronavirus. We um, don't we lack the infrastructure and the adequate resources for protection to help protect our people. Um, When I say we lack the infrastructure, we have only about 13 to 16 grocery stores on the Navajo and Hopi nations. And that's over 2 million acres of land combined. It makes it difficult for us to um, get food supplies. A lot of our people are going because they just don't have access to the hospital or the ventilator system um, or clean drinking water to wash their hands with. A lot of people live pretty remotely across our nation, and so oftentimes it might take hours to get to a hospital. A lot of our people have passed away like on the way to the hospital or just because they couldn't get them a facility that offered the ventilators. We just don't have enough 
in addition to all of that, we have over a 50% unemployment rate and a, a 38% poverty rate. That And so the, some of those issues have kind of exasperated why we are experiencing positive cases and deaths um, due to coronavirus at such a high rate. In fact, we have experienced um, rates that are just as high as New York City or some of the top states per capita, but we're not receiving the adequate resources from the U.S. government. To combat the crisis, Cassandra and other Navajo and Hopi women, who are community organizers, set up a page on GoFundMe to raise money for an effort to fight the pandemic. That's when something surprising happened. Donations started pouring in from an unexpected part of the world, Ireland. When we we noticed that we were getting a lot of donations from Ireland, and we were wondering why, and... Sorry, I get emotional talking about this part. And I learned about what the Choctaw people did for the Irish people. And it was so beautiful. As I record, the list of donors' names on the GoFundMe page is completely dominated by Irish surnames. $40 from Marie Dunn. $10 from Mary Murphy. $50 from Claire O'Sullivan. They just keep rolling in, and in the comments, the Irish donors have left clues as to why. Some have written Niñart la which means there is no strength without unity. Some have simply written Ireland remembers. One donor, Michael Foy, spelled it out. 173 years ago, the people of the Choctaw Nation showed Ireland unimaginable generosity, he wrote. I am donating today in memory of our shared past and to help overcome this crisis together, just as we did nearly two centuries ago. In 1847, the worst year of the Irish famine, the Choctaw people raised $170 in aid for Ireland, a huge sum for the time and at a moment when the Choctaw had very little. It came not long after they had been driven from their lands in the so-called Trail of Tears, a devastating forced expulsion which led to the death of thousands. What made the donation even more generous is that some Irish people had even taken part in the campaign against Native people as recruits of the army of US General George Armstrong Custer. The Choctaw donation was an early example of international aid and it meant even more that it came from people so far away and with so little. This was at a time when Irish people felt persecuted and abandoned by their nearest neighbours in Britain. It was British colonial policy that had created the conditions for famine and worsened it once the hunger began, ultimately reducing the Irish population by a quarter due to starvation and emigration. Even today, there are fewer people on the island of Ireland than before the famine. We recounted this history in our episode, The Great Hunger, in which we also told the story of how the Choctaw's historic act of generosity inspired a sculpture in Middleton in Cork by the artist Alex Pentec. Let's hear a clip of that now. They called it Black 47. 
the worst year of the famine. It was the year that the potato crop failed for the third time and the soup kitchens were shut. But far away on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, a group of strangers decided that they cared. On March 23, 1847, the Native American Choctaw people gathered in Scullyville in Oklahoma to raise money to feed the starving Irish. They managed to get together $170, which they sent to Ireland as famine relief. It was a huge sum at the time and all the more touching because the Choctaw people were themselves living in great hardship. This was the wake of the Trail of Tears, when the Choctaw were forced to leave their ancestral lands. Their lands were taken and they were marched hundreds of miles away to Oklahoma through a brutal winter with little food, and they died in their thousands along the way. The president who signed that order for their removal was Andrew Jackson. He was the son of Scots-Irish Presbyterians who had emigrated to America. County Antrim, but it was the Choctaw who came to Ireland's aid. To mark this historical act of kindness, in 2013 the County Council of Middleton in Cork commissioned a sculpture to stand in a local park. The work is seven enormous eagle feathers that stand facing each other to form an empty bowl. The sculpture is called Kindred Spirits, and it's so visually striking that images of it and the story behind it have gone viral on the internet. I spoke to Alex Pentec, who's the local artist who made it. Kindred Spirit was my response to County Council's brief for creating an artwork that will reflect on the 1847 donation, Choctaw donation to Ireland during the famine. Choctaw First Nation American Indians made a donation when they themselves had very little of $170, which equates to quite a few thousand in today's money. One of the first historical and international donations ever made. The story of the Choctaw's gift has inspired people on both sides of the Atlantic through the generations. A group of Irish people travelled to the United States to walk the route of the Trail of Tears and raise money for famine relief in Somalia in 1992. In return, members of the Choctaw Nation have come to Ireland to take part in famine walks, which identify famine graveyards, and they raise funds for current day disasters. You can find a link to that episode in our show notes. The Choctaw donation is not the only example of solidarity between Irish people and Native Americans through history. In 1919, during the struggle for independence, Irish nationalist Eamon de Valera travelled to the United States in a bid to drum up support for the Irish cause. One of his visits was for the Chippewa or Ojibwe people in Wisconsin. A contemporary news report says that de Valera was welcomed as a representative of one oppressed nation to another. He gave a speech in which he said, You say you are not free. Neither are we free, and I sympathise with you because we are making a similar fight. As a boy, I read and understood of your slavery and longed to become one of you. I call upon you, the truest of all Americans, to help us win our struggle for freedom. A ceremony was held and de Valera was made honorary chief. Astonishing photographs exist of the occasion, 
which show him wearing a traditional suit with a ceremonial feather headdress. Of course, de Valera would before long become president of the newly independent Irish Republic. One key element of Native American struggles that Irish people might recognise is their battle to preserve their cultural traditions and languages against ridicule, denigration and active efforts to erase them. Essential in passing down this heritage from one generation to another are older people, and Cassandra told me that the coronavirus pandemic's heavy toll on the elderly has delivered a deep blow to these efforts. A lot of our elders are passing, and they are like our libraries, you know, they have a lot of, they carry on a lot of traditional culture practices. Um, They know a lot of our language, which is becoming extinct. And so when we lose an elder, it's like losing a library of knowledge. The vulnerability of the Navajo and Hopi nations now to the coronavirus pandemic is due to historical factors. Across the United States from the 1830s, government policies displaced Native Americans from the land where they had long made their livelihoods, forcing them into smaller and often less hospitable areas that they were not familiar with. Combined with deliberate policies to assimilate Native people to make them forget their cultures and languages, and a long history of ill relations and neglect, This history has created the impoverished and vulnerable condition of the remaining Native American populations today. In the case of the Navajo and Hopi nations, there's an additional factor, uranium mining. A lot of our water was contaminated through the uranium mine. Uh, The United States government used a lot of our lands for uranium extraction to create the first atomic bombs. And they didn't really clean up the uranium sites. So a lot of our aquifers are poisoned or contaminated with uranium. So a lot of communities on your nation don't feel comfortable using the water or to use it to wash their hands or to drink. The extraction of uranium for the U.S. nuclear program from the 1950s to the 1980s left a poisonous legacy in the land. Even now, Navajo people have high levels of uranium in their blood, which is linked to higher rates of kidney failure and cancer. I think a lot of this is, you know, these are implications and consequences of a racist and systemic systemic and oppressive issue. You know, since first contact, um, when colonizers first came over, we have been fighting for our lands. We have been trying to assert our sovereignty. Cassandra told me that the effort to fight the pandemic is itself rooted in Navajo tradition, in particular, a principle of community solidarity. You know, we have a a core team of about 10 to 12 Indigenous women leading this effort. We are women from the Hopi and Navajo nations. We've been born and raised on our nations and community organizers, community leaders, and We've been working together through this grassroots mobilization to help our people. A lot of our work is driven by the compassion we have, the empathy we have for our people. Um, We come from a place of strength and grace. 
um, based off of a principle called um, eh, and that's K apostrophe E, and that's the Navajo word for family and kinship and understanding the interconnectedness and interrelatedness of all things that we're all connected. Like what I do to someone else, I do to everyone else and vice versa. Um, And it's important to understand family and community and to help family and community. So that's kind of where we're coming from. And that's the solution we put forward understanding the crisis we face was to fundraise money to not depend on the U.S. for help, to help ourselves. I asked Cassandra to tell me a little bit more about how the aid that's raised over the GoFundMe page will be distributed to help the community. What we do with that money is we buy supplies, essential supplies, food, um, water. We try to get masks and protective um, gear to our elders and our struggling families. So that's our priority is elders who are raising their grandchildren who are immunocompromised or disabled or wheelchair bound. And then our second priority is um, single parent families that are low income. So how we do that is we put a form, a Google form out there into the community and people fill out the form if they need help. And then based off of that information and the demand on where people need help, we try to set up a distribution site in that area by finding a space and finding volunteers that are willing to receive food supply and these, we need these people to um, sanitize the food and package it and then set up the delivery. So currently, we have about six to eight distribution sites all across the Navajo and Hopi Nations. The donations we receive from Ireland are definitely going to help save lives and help protect people. And we're going to make sure that that money is used to get food and essential supplies and water to our elders and our families. So it definitely makes a difference and we will always remember. Since the fundraiser started going viral in Ireland, the amount it has raised has gone up by over a million dollars and it has reached 2.3 million at the time of recording. Cassandra told me that news of the flood of giving from Irish donors and the story of the Choctaw aid during the Great Hunger has been spreading among the Navajo and Hopi communities. We, we shared this information with our community. They love it. And they just can't believe it. You know, the Navajo and Hopi people are just so grateful. And they can't believe that people from across the ocean care about us and know about us. And want to help us. You know, we've never met, many of us have never talked to someone who is Irish. And it's been a really difficult time. So to see the kindness that the Irish people have extended us has been really heartwarming, especially during this dark time because 
we've lost a lot of people and it's devastating for our community. So we just really are thankful and grateful for the help and the solidarity. And we know that it's things like the support and the solidarity that are going to help our people survive and help protect us because we still haven't peaked yet. The numbers are still skyrocketing. And I think they're only going to get worse now that the United States is opening the country back up. So we still need all the help that we can get. And we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Cassandra told me that she believes that very spirit of solidarity and cooperation that was shown all those years ago in 1847 by the Choctaw people to Ireland is the very root out of the crisis that the world finds itself in. Gratitude should be shown to the Choctaw Nation and we're just so thankful that their act of kindness to Ireland is now being extended to us. I think that You know, the kindness that they extended to Ireland back then is the same kindness that we still try to live by on the Navajo and Hopi nations. A lot of indigenous communities have lived in a way that is about kinship and family and community and helping each other you know, way before contact, we had long-term sustainable solutions for the planet and for our communities that we could live together in abundance and have a relationship with our Mother Earth. And those Beliefs and values are still carried on today. And I think it carries on through our relief effort as well. The acts of kindness and and being supportive of each other and taking care of one another. That's going to be the solution to this pandemic. Thanks so much to Cassandra Begay for speaking to me. And apologies if her line was a little difficult to hear at times. Internet connectivity and phone signal is another key missing piece of infrastructure that hampers opportunity in native lands. If you want to give to the Navajo and Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Fund, we're putting a link in the show notes, which you can see on your podcast app or on our website, theirishpassport.com. That's all for this edition of Half Pints, the bonus content we make specially to thank our Patreon supporters. You can sign up if you haven't already to get access to our whole archive of extra episodes over on patreon.com forward slash the Irish Passport. Do share this episode with your family and friends if you liked it. Thanks so much for listening. Sloan for now.